Today's reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Listen for the word of God. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundance in every good work. As it is written, God scatters abroad and gives to the poor. The Lord's righteousness endures forever. The one who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Pray that you bear with me a, a, a little personal indulgence. Um, it ties in, I think. At my grandmother's memorial on Friday, one of the son-in-laws told a story that uh, somebody in the community who knew him, he was a teacher, uh, told him, he said, you know, when I was working at Pacific University as a, as a young, just out of college, master's uh, college student, professor, I needed to buy a home, and I went to your grandma to buy a home, and she showed me like three or four homes, and I kept saying, I can't afford that home, and I need to find something cheaper. So she did some more investigation, and she found this really lovely home, which was perfect, and she says, this is a lot less money, and this is the home you should buy. And he said to my grandmother, I love the home, but it's still $10,000 too much. I can't afford the home. And she said, oh, pish posh, this is your home. This is one you're supposed to have. Let's go, we'll, we'll figure it out. So took him back to the office and did all the paperwork and said, now we're gonna, you and I are gonna do a note for $10,000 because I have money and you will pay me back over time. So the man's first house was because my grandmother lent him $10,000. Not every realtor is going to do this, but this was who my grandmother was. And when I had to borrow money in college, she made me fill out a note. Now, I was a grandson, so I didn't really have to pay it back. I, I, I took it out in trade. I, I pressure washed her house. I did her roof. You know, I did all that stuff. And then she would just deduct it at exorbitant wages, which was good for me. But we would come in after every time I did work, and she would say, okay, that, well, I'm going to pay you $200 for that and we're going to redo the note, and this is how much you owe me now. But that was my grandmother, and she was taught that whoever sows sparingly 
reaps sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And if there's one sin that I find in American culture, it is a understanding or a fear of scarcity. We always fear that we don't have enough. I find it amazing that when we go to Africa and, and they want you to come in and see their church because they're so exciting because they have four walls and a roof. Now the floor is dirt, but they got four walls and a roof and they just can't wait to have you come in and see this church. And you know, you, when you ask, what do you need? Oh, pray for us. What we need is your prayers. More than anything else, please pray for us. You come to this church, and we got four walls and a ceiling and, and, and a floor. And what do we need? Oh, we need money. Oh, we need money. And do we say, oh, we need your prayers. It is a sense, if there's a sin in this country, it's a fear that we don't have enough. And that's why, in the invitation to healing touch, we're going to read together what I'm going to read to you now. Because I think if Paul was writing today, he'd write very much in these words. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. You are meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. We are meant to shine. When I look at my life, what scares me the most is to realize what's inside that I'm just not letting out. I had a dream when I was little, and actually I had a dream about, um, when I was in college, I had a dream and it was my childhood self who looked at me and said, what have you done with my future? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that is a really good question. But if God is going to challenge us, it's going to be that. I've put my image inside of you. I've given you light. I've given you amazing possibilities. What have you done? And the thing is, when we share the light that's within us, what happens? We don't do that sometimes because we think it will intimidate other people. But what happens is that when I share my light, then someone else sees that and says, maybe I can find the light inside myself. Maybe just maybe there's light inside me too, and maybe just maybe by watching you share your light, I have permission 
to trust the light inside of me and to share that light with others. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why the church says we need to give and give abundantly is so that other people feel free to do the same. Like, it feels really good when you help someone. I was at a grocery store, not at a grocery store, I was at a clothing store, I can remember because I don't like to shop for clothes, and there was a woman in front of me who was buying a pair of pants for her husband, I could tell that their relationship was not great. And he had told her she needed to buy this pair of pants, and she didn't have enough money. And she was terrified, because she didn't have the money she needed to buy that pair of pants. I said, give me your money, give me the pants, I'll pay for your pants. You know, for me it was, I think, another seven bucks. It was nothing. But the gratitude in her eyes was, wow. She could go home to her husband and not be afraid. How much is that worth? How much is that worth? Very simple things. Who are we not to be beautiful and fabulous? I love that, and fabulous. You know, I love people when they know they're fabulous as long as it's not ego-driven. There are some people who think they're fabulous and they're really not. You know, there's, there's danger here. But I mean, a true sense of being fabulous because of what's inside, not what's outside, but what's inside. I mean, when Elizabeth Kuyper, I, I shouldn't do this, but when Elizabeth, um, you know, interviewed for the position for the office manager, and one of the questions we asked every person was, how do people describe you? And she says, oh, they know I'm fabulous, you know? I'm like, yes, that's the person we want. You know, we want someone who knows they're fabulous because fabulous people can do fabulous things, right? Ordinary people do ordinary things. Subordinary people do subordinary things. And most of the times, all we know is that, oh, I wish I had your gifts. We see other people's gifts really well, don't we? I see the gifts in my sister she cannot see in herself. She's really mad at me right now because she always lived in, she lived in San Diego, and I swore I'd never live in Southern California, and she's like, you're living my life. Now she's in Cincinnati, it's like, you're living my life! But I can see the gifts in her that she could not see in herself. It's like, Laura, you have this and this and this and this. Oh, no, I don't. We all feel that we have not been given the gifts we have been given. And we have. And when somebody says, I can do that, sometimes I can't, but well, I can do that, and then they surprise themselves and they can. One of the true things in life is that God does not call those who are equipped. God equips those who are called. We all like to look at that story in Isaiah where Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. That's what religious people do, right? Wrong. He's the only one in Scripture that does that. Moses says, oh, yo, no, 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 no. I'm slow of speech. Uh-uh. Jeremiah says, um, I'm too young. Hosea, he married a prostitute. Okay, I mean, you know, the story goes on and on and on. You know, Jonah is my totem. Okay, 
go to Nineveh and proclaim the word I'm going to give you. Go, you know, east by land. He goes west by sea. Amen, brother. That's my story. I don't want to do it. God says, okay, well, let's see how that works for you. You know, eventually you get swallowed by the whale, and you get spit up on the beach, and you're really happy when you do. Okay, it doesn't say whale, it says large fish. Okay, if you want to be, you know, those of you who really know the story. But the point is, we all know what it's like to be in the belly of the whale, don't we? We all know how good it feels to be spit out on the beach. We love the story because it's like, yeah, that's my story. Yep, 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 that's, that's, that's me. We all think if you're going to be religious, you're going to be Isaiah. Jesus says, look, I'd rather not this happen to me. Take this cup from me. I'd be real happy. I'm telling you, Lord, I'm telling you, I'd be real happy. Everybody thinks if you're really, if you're unsure, you're not really called. You don't feel adequate, that's because God, that's rubbish. It's just rubbish. It's not the way it works. God does not call those who are equipped. God equips those who are called. Ask anybody who volunteers in this church, and they will tell you it's true. Nobody feels qualified to do what they do until they get into it and realize they're okay. If you feel like you can do it already, bless your heart. Come on in, you'll realize you don't really know yet, but it'll be okay. One of the things that we now have, we now have a working projector. We now have a working screen. We don't have anybody to run it. So we actually had words for the, for the centering that were on another PowerPoint, but I don't know how to write, do that without... Those of you who are like electronically inclined, who like to play with images, Ann Wood is not volunteering. God is not equipping you for this ministry. This is not a ministry that God will ever equip Ann to do. There are other ministries, Ann, that God will equip you to do. So understand that. But if you think, I like playing with the internet. I like finding things. I can put something that just loops. I'd love to do this on Sundays. We need you. You know what we can do now that we've got this? We can do amazing things. And it's easy, really, for a lot of people. Not for Ann. Don't volunteer. But for a lot of people, it's easy. If there is in the back of your mind, maybe I ought to do that. That's the Holy Spirit saying, give somebody a call. One of the images on the altar is the pineapple. And the ship captains, what they would do, and the pineapple, how many of you know the tradition of the pineapple? It's very popular in the South. It's a hospitality thing. But what ship captains used to do is when their ships would come into port, and if they still had food, the captain would put a pineapple on the gate. And that would let the people know to come over and they could get food or have a meal. It was a sign of abundance. We all ought to have a, a, a pineapple on our gate all the time because we are a people of abundance. 
And what we all need to figure out is where in our lives do we feel abundance? And how can we share that? And I'm not here to tell each person how they do it. I can tell Anne where not to do it. But I'm not going to tell you how to do that. But you all kind of know. Like one of the things that you can do is help serve coffee. And it's like, don't ask me to serve people coffee. That's servant work. It's like, you know, what you were doing when you served somebody, offering them a cup of coffee is you're saying, this is a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. This is what you're going to walk into at the end of your life with great abundance. And we just want to give a taste to you of the welcome that you have in God, that every person has in God. And let me share with you how happy we are to share with you. Who can't do that? Who thinks that is beneath them? Anybody? We, what is a line? better person would have memorized this. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. Your plain small does not serve the world. You are not small. You are not small. Even Pam, how, how could I, how could I not? Pam is not small. Pam is not small. No one in this room is small. You have the image, you are made in the image after the likeness of God. Wow. Who are we? To play small. Stewardship is about realizing what we have and saying, the one who gave it to me gave it freely, and am I enhanced when I give it away? That's what it's about. That's good news. Amen.